The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the program. And today we will preview an epic day of education with the Owl's Nest, a wonderful couple who took their love of kink and created opportunities to help others. Chris and Bella are the couple behind the Owl's Nest. Their journey into the kink lifestyle started about eight years ago with Bella's tiny stringy flogger and Bella's request for some firm hand during private times. After a funny turn of events while on a beach in San Francisco, they decided to look for a public scene, not realizing where it would all lead. They found the lifestyle together, and over these eight years, it's been nonstop exploration of the community, and more importantly, themselves. This has taken them across the world to learn and experience more of what there is and can be for their journey. They've enjoyed everything from high style, large latex events to rustic kinky camping. Each experience has not only been fun, but has brought them a time of self-discovery and growth. Their journey has brought them closer together, continuing to strengthen their understanding and respect for one another. Even after becoming organizers and community leaders, they say they are still learning, exploring, and growing their love of each other and their kink family. What started off as a desire to create a local kink party has quickly grown into serving the larger kink community with a focus on gaps in the area like newbie-friendly events, rope jams and shares, all-inclusive event photography, education and fundraising. And later this month, they will have their biggest event, all for a great cause. Chris and Bella, The Owl's Nest, on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever experienced a kink scene. After divorce, I was uh, started you know, just seeing somebody and I remember her we were having an intimate time and um, he smacked me and I've never, that, that's not something I've experienced. That was very vanilla in my previous relationship. And um, I also was raised with that being something that was a very negative connotation. But in that moment, it rewired my brain to have a very pleasurable experience. And I realized I really liked it. 
So when I um, started dating Chris, that was actually one of the qualifying questions very early on, is if he <laughs> was objecting to doing that to me, which I received a very positive response that he did it. Um, so that was probably the first time I did not realize it was kink in any way because it was very minor, but it is kind of what opened up the doors for all the questions we had for each other and other things that I've sort of started trying after. So I, Bell sort of said how she brought it to me, and that was really my first time. Um, mm -hmm. I, I learned, we, I think we both really learned this very late in our lives when we were you know, wiser, more mature. And it started off, I think it was within the first month of being asked, do you mind smacking my ass while we're having sex? And I said, yeah, I can do that. And then literally a few days later, I was told, well, I have this stringy flogger. Do you mind trying to use this? I said, sure, no problem. And interestingly enough, it came very natural. I could easily make it flow and go back and forth and the right uh, um, feelings as far as hard and soft and when to raise and lower that based on her feelings. So that was the, the first, I'll say scene, but that was a private scene. Um, we, we do have our own public scenes as well. Yeah. I was um, about to get to that, but go <laughs> ahead, Bella. Yeah, so I, I guess what I wanted to add is that the first time we tried to go to um, a dungeon is I think when we really realized we were kinky in wanting to be in that community. And I think it's, um, I know we were standing there watching some really um, heavy uh, play. So it looked intimidating and a little scary, but at the same time, both of us were pretty mesmerized and didn't want to leave. And I remember Chris saying at the time um, that my ass was in trouble. And I said, well, why is that? He goes, I think I could be really into that. I don't know if I can go to that level of severity, but I think you could be into that. So at that time, my response was very much, my ass is not the one in trouble. I'm not getting up there for that. It might be someone else, but I do like this. So of course, fast forward where, you know, both have advanced quite a lot in our play, but that was probably the first Just time we saw it and thought, you know, we do this privately, but this feels like where we want to explore. Take me back to the beach in San Francisco <laughs> leading to your first public scene. So this is both of our faults, I'll say. We always say, who, who, who's, who's the one that had the bad ideas? And ultimately, we both do. And I had been traveling. Before we met, I was traveling to California three weeks out of the month. And I found this great beach called Graywell Beach. And I said to Bill, I said, I'm not sure. It's a great beach. I want to take you there. I'm not sure, though. There seems to be a nude beach on one side, but there's like no sides. And so Bella said, well, that's fine. I've been to a new beach. Have you? And I was flabbergasted. I was like, no, I've never been to a new beach. I don't know if I'm okay with that. So we wind up going and we took our towels with us. And as we come up on the beach, we actually see a couple having sex on the beach and they have a tent where they're half in it, half out. And at that point, Bella said, you know what, if they're doing that, so are we. So we got our little tiny hotel towel, went over to the beach and started to have sex which led into, um, you know, I, I pleasured Bella first, and then she pleasured me, she got on top of me. Well, that couple all of a sudden started to lay above my head, like perpendicular to my head as she is on top of me, riding me. And her back is to the water uh, in, in just a context. 
And so I'm looking at her. She didn't know at the time I could see her eyes through her sunglasses. So I knew she kept darting her eyes at those people and thinking, what are they going to do next? But in her mind, she's going, what if they reach out and touch him? I don't want him to lose what he's got going right now. So I'm going to focus and do what I can for him. Fast forward a little bit and, you know, we finish and we get up and we turn around and here there's like six or eight people there clapping after we had sex. And so at that point we said, where else more me specifically said, where can we go do this again? So I searched and found like five other nude beaches in San Francisco, none of which you could find this. So we came back to the Philadelphia area and we found some, you know, swex, uh, swingers clubs, sex clubs, where our goal was to really just be in public and do what we want and voyeur at the same time. And that was when we really started to, I'd say, explore our true kink and getting out into the public scene. Yeah, so to, just to add to what Chris said, when, you know, once we went to Sex Club, they actually had a mixed night. So I think that was probably one of our very, very first experiences going to something blended where we were really interested in the kink aspect of it, but also the freedom of just you know, being, and we, we quickly found out we're very much exhibitionist. And in fact, there's certain play that I can only do as an exhibitionist. So with um, not necessarily being watched per se, but at least being in a presence of other people playing and watching and doing so like that energy. Um, but yeah, that was kind of our first entry into the scene through like the, you know, swinger clubs where we got to go to a mixed night. And from there we started learning about and becoming more, you know, involved in all kinds of different scenes. There's, you know, at the time there was a variety of different parties in Philly area. And then we quickly started traveling, but we can, I'm sure you'll have questions about that, but we do trap. We, before COVID used to travel quite yeah. a bunch for fun, but also for kink events. You talked about exhibitionism. So when was the first time you all lubed up and got into latex? Mm. so that was chris's fault uh, yeah that one was my fault <laughs> um so chris i think has wanted to um wear latex earlier than me um in fact i think he bought we we went to florida for a vacation and fort lauderdale area um and we were already in the lifestyle but we were there just for just for a trip and decided to look up if there were any fun events going on, anything in the kink or anything in the music scene and found out there is, you probably heard of this, a fetish factory mm -hmm. anniversary weekend, their largest party four day thing going on that weekend. Mm. And we looked at each other and we we're like flabbergasted. How do we not know about this? Like, how do we come all the way here without any of our toys, any of our outfits and not know this is going on? So at the time, at that time, we went right to the uh, fetish factory store bought ourselves some basic, you know, outfits and went to the party and loved every moment of it. And um, saw all this beautiful latex. And I know Chris right away got the bug. I need it. And I don't like being sweaty. So I was concerned <laughs> not being able to wear it or wanting to feel like I'm suffocating it. So I waited a little bit. He got some little shorts, bathing suits, et cetera. So like he started wearing that. Um, I think it was for me, um, probably when we were going to go back to Fetish Factory and it was as a, as now full party goers for four days, I thought I need to have latex. What do I do? So I decided to design a lot of my latex and I actually am very into flowy dresses that end up having a lot of, uh, 
open air and so you know if I get hot it's just you know airs right out and I'm I know you love cat suits I'm not sure I can pull one off <laughs> I would probably be so dying in it uh but I, in fact first time I wore latex I liked the feeling of it on me so much I didn't know about taking care of it fully properly and I was all night long rubbing myself up and down right around my chest there just going like this feels so good feels so good and then I get home and there's a big black line right in the center of my dress and I am horrified well I learned that apparently you can't wear silver rings or other type of metals that tarnish latex and I've basically stayed myself by rubbing myself all night long. <laughs> so good news, the latex has been repaired. It was a, you know, an insert that they were able to replace. Uh, but I now know I still feel my latex out, but much more cautiously. So the one picture that I sent to you uh, with the pink outfit, that was the outfit that she's talking about mm. for her. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of my favorite outfits for me. Um, that was also one that I had custom made as well, that we both designer stuff and we have a designer who pulls it all together for us. And part of the reason why I like that so much is that it has that 70s flair and mm -hmm. it's bright. So puts off that exhibitionism, but I get to wear four inch platform heels and play in it and be comfortable. The only problem is at the end of the night, as you probably know from cat suits, after a night of playing, all that sweat has to go somewhere and it's usually into your shoes. <laughs> so other than that, it's just, it, to me, it's a second skin and she's right. That our second party, which was two years after the first one, I think is what it was. Um, we went all out and had three or four different outfits made. We also brought chain mail. Uh, to the event so we kept others away from us with the chain mail except for those that were in all black um and just had a glorious weekend and at that point she was hooked all weekend long saying okay i need more of this and then i think it was a year after that we were planning this is near covid or the year before covid we were designing outfits and we designed like eight different outfits and then covid hit because we were planning to do vancouver fetish factory montreal and one thing about us is we tend to wear outfits once based on where we're going. So if we know people are going to see us again in that same outfit, we'll not wear it again. For <laughs> quite some time. So in the same scene, at least city. Yeah. But that doesn't work when you're talking the, the latex scene because mm -hmm. the people in Florida go to Vancouver, the people in Vancouver go to Montreal, people in Montreal go to Vancouver. So that's a problem when you're doing the latex scene. And so we had to have quite a number of outfits made um, to, to handle this party. Then we went into COVID and Bella looked at me and said, we just designed all these outfits and are having them made. Should we not have them made? I'm like, COVID's going to end sometime. <laughs> of course. Yes. We're going to keep those. We want those. So now we're, we're getting back out there and it's nice uh, to be able to travel a bit. So I will say, if, if I can, um, one thing about latex, for me, that's different from Chris, is that um, while we don't have a dynamic in our relationship in play, especially when it comes to impact, I always bottom, Chris always tops. So that becomes a problem for me because I have to plan my scenes around my outfits. And if I'm wearing latex, once it's off, it's not going back on. So some other fetish attire like leather or chainmail, I can on and off. So if I do a scene and I'm ready to just keep hanging out, I can put it back on. 
latex requires me to make sure I spend enough time showing it off uh, because once it's off, it's going to be something else on the after. So it does create a bit of a, an interesting um, you know, planning situation. Um, so when we were at Fetish Factory this last time, I was just really feeling the energy of the room in the dungeon. I wasn't planning on playing because there was just so much latex on me. And so, you know, I was basically like pulling my part of my top off and pulling uh, part of my bottom up and going, Chris, can you be like precise enough so you don't damage my latex <laughs> and like just hit in those areas. And so I, um, we can talk about this later, but I dance when I bottom and I mean full on dancing. So I'm a very moving target. And here I am with, you know, just parts of my body exposed, still moving around. And God bless Chris, he can hit the moving target quite well because my latex was survived and there was not a single stain on it. So kudos. Well, First and time, just, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, just to highlight the dancing part, the last, the, the most recent Fetish Factory party, they had uh, the Sunday daytime party at a strip club. And at strip clubs, you normally have a catwalk, if you will, or a stage. And so you were able to get up there and do your own scenes and they had performances. So Bella was in a mood and she said, I like that. I want to get up there and play. And I'm like, but you don't have warm ups. I don't care. There's people around, there's music. And so we're going back and forth, front, back, side to side on this dance floor basically this platform just using some led uh flogger whips and keeping in tune and going to the music and she's just dancing turning twirling and it was it was a blast beautiful first time you ever arranged your own kink event hmm. um before covid we started having house parties mm -hmm. um we um, found our first party, and I think that was around the holidays. So it was probably around Christmas. I feel like it was the Krampus party was our first. Yes. So we yes. are very big into themes. I think that was our first party. And, um, you know, it's funny, right? As we were planning this party and seeing friends at Munges, we found out that the word was spreading quickly and people wanted to attend. And we basically were you know, while it was no charge to it, we were sold out of our own event and people want to come. And so after having a couple of those, we're like, we really kind of want to do this bigger, but we like that how we really enjoyed having the house party feel. Mm -hmm. So that, that was um, the, the comfort of it, the, that camaraderie. Um, but I think we got the bug of wanting to have people around and entertain and just see people do whatever they want to do around us um when we had those parties and we've gone to a few events that sort of gave us some of the things that we really enjoyed there that we wanted to do as well right and you know as with most house parties you it has a certain feel and vibe and i think that's what we liked a lot about it you and our first party uh post-covid reminded me of our very first party uh, house party and that was People hung out in the kitchen because it was a potluck. They hung out for like two hours. And at one point, Belle and I were like, okay, everyone's talking, having a good time, which is great. But we've spent an entire day cleansing the house, putting carpets or putting rugs down, putting blankets down, covering furniture, setting up new furniture. Are people going to play or are they just going to talk all night long? 
And lo and behold, it was about, I think, almost the three-hour mark. People started to get going. And then from that point forward, um, we, Bell and I are, are, are truly night owls. But we had people at the house playing probably at about three in the morning, two or three in the morning, uh, all out played. Myself, I played, I think, till five in the morning, um, mm. just because I, I can't stop. So. <laughs> <laughs> Final question of the first five. First time you had an inkling that you wanted to do the great fundraising event that we'll talk about during this show. Yeah, so um, it, I'll answer it in maybe two parts. We had just finished doing a different fundraiser as a assistance program to allow people to come to more education events, come to more parties, especially now that, you know, the guest prices are harder, people are getting sick, so they're missing work. So we wanted, so I think that we really felt the enjoyment of the doing something good. And we knew it was a ton of work. It was a lot more work to do a fundraiser than it was to do just our regular events. So um, when this, um, you know, when um, our friend um, Echo, uh, which is the Echo's Fire part of the, the partnership here, came to us and said, listen, I really want to do this fundraiser. I really want to do it for some sort of a, uh, you know, abortion rights or reproductive rights, some sort of a benefit. Um, I don't know how to do any of that. I don't do that, but I have this idea and I feel passionate about it. And as an educator, I can maybe, you know, help um, promote it um, or do something, but I don't really know how to do any of that. Can you help? And I remember for the first couple of days, I was basically telling to Chris, Chris, this is like a lot of work. I don't know if we can do it. And then we both would look at each other and be like, but you know, we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what's happening to us is that there's things that, you know, are hard and a lot of work, but if there is a, um, especially when they come to kind of serving the community, we have chosen to take the, the path of we'll figure it out and we'll do it. And I know I'm much more nervous about it because I get more project management, like anxious over how is it going to come together and not just happen but bring the money that we are hoping for and be successful, be, you know, impactful. Um, but we always end up going, it's the right thing to do. So let's just do it. And I think that's what happened with this one. We had just come back from going to Dark Goddess Effusion for a almost week long event, went right to Test Fest as uh, one of their sponsors and we're on, on, on there as well. And so, you know, doing this in addition to our own anniversary party, just a lot happening. And so, um, we thought it would be tough, but we've actually had such amazing response from people wanting to, to partake in it, that it's been, I'm so glad we that we're doing it because it's been an opportunity to meet people we probably wouldn't have otherwise. So Right. Far. And I think, you know, we, we originally started doing, uh, taking our, I'll say our house parties and putting it on the road, if you will, and creating more of a, a while they're private public events, you know, outside of the house. And, you know, early on, we just said, you know, we're serving the community. This is great. We're having a good time having this party. But we kept seeing that there were areas in the community that were, you know, partially due to COVID, partially not, were, I'll say, being underserved or, or were not being well represented. And so we just kept adding on and doing more. So like neurodiversity. And when we first started having our parties, we had a Littles room. We have a, a it's a three-story garage. It's been converted to a dungeon. And so we made a Littles area up in the third story. 
But then quickly we, we got some feedback and learned of neurodiversity. So we started to create some spaces for those neurodiverse people and understanding that a little bit more to make them comfortable. And so what started off really as a, hey, we just wanna host a party and offer some kink party to folks grew into wanting to serve the community more and more. And so that's where we started with, okay, we, we expanded our own party. Now we're doing education. Now we're doing some rope. Um, the photography bit, I, I, I want to talk about that later, but then the fundraiser for the scholarships, and it's just more the desire of giving back to the community and doing what we can to provide for the King community as a whole, because we're, we're fortunate enough to be able to, to do everything we can. Um, and then some at this point, um, really a lot of it's our time right now, um, which is in scarce, uh, limited supply. But uh, just to go back on this fundraiser, I, I remember we were at Fusion and this is the way the, the conversations usually go with Belle and I, either me starting them or her starting them. She said, well, Echo came to me with this idea and I said, yep, we'll do it. Because I know if, if she's coming to me asking me, there's a passion behind it already and there's a good reason for it. And that's, you know, right when we at camp, half of camp, you know, people are talking about the, the Supreme Court ruling or, or re-ruling, I should say. And so that was on everybody's mind. And we were checking in with our, 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 our family, if you will, of our owl's nest. And then Echo hit us with this. And so I just knew something was coming around this when she asked that question. And it, it was, yes, we'll figure it out. And it's something that people need right now. And that's ultimately when, when people get to know us, we're very authentic. We wear our hearts and our sleeves and we're all about giving to whomever wants our assistance. I'm so glad we've gotten to know you through the first five. And when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we'll talk about this amazing event coming up Sunday, August 28th. It's a virtual education marathon with a wonderful cause. And we'll talk more about it when we return. You all know I love my cat suits, and the ones that have never let me down come from the amazing Winter Fetish. I've had some of them for 10 years, and they're still going strong. Specifically made for fetish play, these suits come in only the best spandex or PVC, with zippers made for action. You've seen them in the House of Gordon. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, and now these suits can be yours. And if you use the code www.spandexcat, you get 10% off your purchase and you support the show as well. And as always, I give you this promo because I believe in what Winter Fetish does. So visit winterfetish.com and use the promo code www.spandexcat and get the cat suit of your dreams from Winter Fetish. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. 
Hello, all you dear listeners of this amazing show. My name is Anya, and I also have a podcast called Sexual Alchemy. And I would love for you to come discover what we're doing over in my little sliver of the world, talking about sex, our paths to figuring out our most authentic expressions, unshaming all aspects of it, and generally just creating community around people who want to explore whatever their most authentic sexual expression is. So I hope you enjoy listening. I hope you reach out and I hope you become part of my little community that I love so much. Join Anya for Sexual Alchemy and listen to my episode. It was an amazing interview. Sexual Alchemy with Anya, available where you get your podcasts. liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the program, joined by Chris and Bella of the Owl's Nest. And coming up at the end of this month, August 28th, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., a virtual education marathon talking about a variety of kink, fetish, and lifestyle classes throughout the day. You can attend as many classes as you, as you like, and all donations will be collected during class registration and a special GoFundMe. And all of the proceeds go to the Center for Reproductive Rights. What an amazing cause at a time like this. Just before the break, you were talking about being a dark fusion and so many people talking about it. I know it has been a huge topic of conversation just in everyday life. So, Tell me how this came together. Tell me a little bit about ECHO and how this event is going to happen. Sure. So um, ECHO is uh, actually um, a friend, but also has just recently taught a fire. So I think fire is the fire massage is one of the main passion. And so ECHO just recently taught a fire class with the Owl's Nest and was very familiar with kind of what we do in the different events that we do and you know saw that we're putting sort of a variety of things together so it's more kind of uh hey i have this idea who can i bring it to that can put it together and involve me in whatever way makes sense so for example being a moderator during the day off which we're going to need lots of them um so it was really more of here's you know here's what I have, I can help in any way that you guys need me, but I don't know where to go next. <laughs> so this is the the uh, biggest help we are getting is is going to be in the moderating space as well as um, you know reaching out to. Um, I know he's been working hard at trying to advertise this in the different communities across the country. We're trying to make sure that this is not just staying within the Northeast where we are, and we have friends that we are connected to, but try to get a, a more of a um, a more of uh, a reach. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to give a, a shout out to two groups have, uh, that have already been sort of instrumental to us being able to, to put this together and helping us with sort of the platform. And as one is Dating Kinky, which is actually how we came to find you, but they've been amazing. They saw we were doing this. We did not know them at all. 
but Ryan, who's the producer, reached out to us right before Test Fest, um, seeing that we're going to Test Fest as well and saying, you know, we would like to be involved and teach, but also maybe able to help you in other ways. And so besides meeting you and, and having this amazing opportunity, they've been helping us to use their, we're going to be using their platform for actually the day of, instead of using Zoom, it has a lot of interactive capabilities, it is more secure, so there's a lot of benefits. Um, and they've been amazing at kind of walking us through that and talking us through how we can do that. Um, and just been pointing us in a couple of different directions um, for assistance. And just because they, they believe in the cause and see something good happening. And we really, really appreciate that. Um, the other one is actually something I sort of stumbled upon and um, it is the um, it is a platform for um, ticketing, which is forbidden tickets. Mm. I saw the uh, Wicked uh, Grounds, which is a community in California uses them. And they had a very nice feel to kind of how the events are laid out. And also we're doing a lot across the country. so. I reached out, but it turned out it's just a, two people doing their thing. And are there, you know, kinky folks that run an event, actually a dungeon out of um, Oakland and California and do this as a side thing because it was a need. And so we connected, they walked me through the platform that we kind of brainstormed how we can do this for the fundraiser. And they're being really helpful, kind of figuring out how to manage it all going. So the proceeds just go right through into the, to the fundraiser. Um, and they're going to help promote this in the California region, which is kind of where we had hoped to reach out to. Um, so these two groups kind of went out of their way so far beyond what we were even asking to, to kind of be helpful. And I just want to make that call out. Um, I'm looking at some of the classes and you're not talking about one size fits all. No. We're talking about all sorts of different classes. Take us through some of them because some of them I've never seen before. Well, I'm curious which ones yeah. they are. <laughs> well, like the idea of movement, bringing kinesiology and, and dance into, you said you were a dancer in scenes, but that's a beautiful marriage of bringing movement into kink. Yeah, thank you. So this is this one actually Echo brought um, was out at a, a munch somewhere and met a um, human who does a lot of aerial arts and yoga, and thought what a great way and they were interested in helping with the fundraiser I will say, you know, what's been nice about looking for instructors for for the fundraisers that um, you get people who teach and this is what they do and it's very natural for them you we've gotten other people who it, it's been such a variety from people who are I'm so passionate about what you're doing. I don't typically teach too often, but I really want to be part. Mm -hmm. And those are almost people who can help the, you know, further the cause better because they really have a personal investment in that. Um, and so the, um, the person doing the movement magic um, is somebody who was passionate about helping and said, you know, why don't we kick the day off with some yoga and movement? And we thought that was perfect, especially, you know, Sunday, not everybody wants to get out of bed and get right into education and brain power. Um, right at 9 a.m., but they have ability to take it easy and do a little yoga, stretch their body before stretching their brain. And then I see the last class of the day, a different kind of suffering, facilitated discussion on kink and chronic pain and illness. Yeah. This, I know this, this is so important, and it so many of my friends have chronic pain or illness in one way or the other, and yeah. they deal with it so courageously. So yeah. I'd love to hear more about what you had in mind with this. This, I, I'm looking forward to this one as well, because I there's a few 
um, partners that I play with that have some conditions where they live with chronic pain. And one of the way, one of the reasons why they're in kink is this lets them take control of that pain and, and make them feel like they have some power over that by going through their scenes and experiencing what they do and having some catharticism as a result of that. Um, so to me, this one's very important because I think there's, I mean, you, you know, the King community, there's a very diverse community that lives amongst us, whether it's, you know, people dealing with pain issues or uh, emotional issues. It's a very broad um, mix of individuals that have to, you know, go through everyday life and kink is an escape for them. And I think when you look at something like this as chronic pain, it's a way to help educate the broader community of what people go through who suffer from chronic pain and as well as some of our other classes that are going on. So it, it gives the outsider a way to learn what these folks go through. And for those who are, are maybe new or who deal with chronic pain, how do they navigate the scene a little bit is important as well. So it's education on both sides. Uh, when you look at it that way. Belle, you're going to say something? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's actually um, interesting you brought that class up because just um, a couple hours ago, I was looking at, you know, where the interest is focused for the different classes. Mm. And so far, and I know they all have been up at a different amount of time. Some have been put up earlier than others. We still have uh, one or two educators that we're adding, but um, but real, so realizing some events have been advertised this little bit longer, that one is actually getting the most, um, you know, people are sweeping for it. So there's obviously a need and, and we knew there was, and, you know, I think some of it is there so for some people, it, there is a level of embarrassment of telling, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, often you are, especially when you are in the public scene and the parties, people always talk about the heavy players the people who do rope and can twist and all kinds of pretzels and mm -hmm. you know people who can do so much and so if you're somebody who can't there is a level of a um of a hesitation to share or an embarrassment to not be like that or or feel like you're i mean just at this last party we had a situation somebody struggling because they're so young and dealing with a lot of pain already and so it's coming to terms to you know, you're, you're no, you're no less. And so, so some of it is how do you, how do you live in the community, but also how do you negotiate with, how do you accept it? So there's just so much that goes into that topic. I feel like that could be a whole, you know, a whole day seminar just on dealing as both tops and bottoms and people who work. Like if I, it's not just for people dealing with pain, there's also tops that deal with pain and have to play as, you know, at their level with bottoms who may not understand. So it's just a very um, intricate topic. So I'm really yeah. excited to uh, to have um, Bahav to do it. I think this is a topic that they they teach, um, have been teaching, and I think something that they live with themselves. So really, really excited about it. Being the former sportscaster that I am, I know a lot about pitchers' injuries, and yeah. you can put pitchers' injuries right next to tops' injuries when it comes to shoulder pain and arm pain and things like that. I and you, you don't ever expect it, but sometimes it'll hit you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, In the middle of the day, mental BDSM. 
And I was so fortunate, and I've talked about it many times, probably too many times, but I'll never talk <laughs> about it enough, uh, seeing that uh, lovely human name Andy had done with me in Cleveland, which was a total mental B BDSM scene, didn't involve any restraints, any impact, everything was words, and it was one of my favorite scenes, if not my favorite scene. Talk okay. about what brought this to mind. Interesting. So um, what's exciting about this class, so this is um, uh, Mr. Shari is um, um, also uh, has Mischief Matters. So it's a sort of a newer adventure that they're also taking on. And um, met, we, we connected at Test Fest as well. So just before, um, some, same thing, somebody never met before just saw what we're doing reached out and has been extremely helpful and we've brainstormed what other classes what, what classes can be offered that maybe aren't offered often mm -hmm. or something yeah. that they're passionate about and so this is something new that they're putting together as will be the first time rolling it out um, very experienced as far as teaching but this is a new class and I think what's exciting is that it isn't offered often um, so we are I'm now excited to take a lot of these classes and try to figure out how do I jump into all of them, given that we have to moderate and there's overlap in some of them. But so, yeah, this is something, um, you know, interesting. We talk about, I typically bottom for things. Part of it is because I do have some physical issues with topping for things like impact or rope. I have carpal tunnel and other things that just don't align well to being, you know, repetitive motion. Um, but I keep telling Chris, like, I, if I could just find a craft that I don't have to do the physical stuff. And so I started looking at the classes that I was putting together myself and going, you know, I think I could take a bunch of these. I might be able to pull something out of that and, you know, maybe top people for, because I, I you know, I, in a way I, we, we started calling me a sadist consultant because I don't top anything, but whenever people <laughs> give me ideas of what they want to do. I always add to them and then they go, you're a sick fuck. So I um, feel like it's in me. I just haven't found what I can kind of embrace and actually perform. So I'm excited for that one myself. My queen calls me sneakily sadistic. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. So I, I, yeah. I would have never thought of that, but thank you for giving me the idea. <laughs> not on me. No, not on me. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Um, and Mr. Shari, a former guest here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans mm -hmm. Want, way back in, when we were first starting the show in season one. Awesome. Nice. So I look at some of the other things here, and one of them is just so important, especially when it comes to connection, and that is boundaries are sexy at AF. Yes. I mean, connection is what makes kink so beautiful. Yes. The way two or more people come together. But you also have to create the scenario and the outline of what you want to through negotiation. And that way you can relax and let it happen. That I'll say that is really key. Um, from, from a tops perspective, when, when I'm looking to engage and play with somebody, there has to be that connection there. You have to build what, what that will look like. And that comes from creating those boundaries. What do you want? What's acceptable? What are you looking to get out of this? What are your goals for this? So that you can put that all out on the table 
it's understood. And then you can take that and just flow with it. And you can have full trust in who you're playing with because everything's been negotiated. Now, of course, you have to you know, find those tops and those players who follow the rules and which are very important and you check with the references. But boundaries, without them, I don't think people can go to the areas where they want to go or they're looking to go without having appropriate boundaries. And that's important for both a top and a bottom perspective. It's not just the top. The bottom has to be involved in that as well. Um, it's, it's, a, it, it's just like any partnership, it's a two-way street. So I think the connection is actually something where that was definitely uh, something we've evolved to really understanding how important it was to us because, um, and I didn't really, I identified that that's what it was, why it was. Um, so I don't play with too many, um, I, I bought them for a number of things, but I don't play with too many people. And I often wait a really long time before playing with somebody. And what I realized is that for me, I, am, I don't identify as a true masochist. So in some way, I am fearful of going beyond the pain that I'm comfortable with because it is very specific. Um, and for me, I think that connection makes me feel safe and allow me to relax into trusting that they can read me, they can take me not beyond my comfort. Can I deal with it if it's too much? Of course, but that's not what I'm looking for. And so I think that when I've tried a couple of times engaging in something where I wasn't sure about that the connection was the right one for me, it felt mechanical and I couldn't relax. And I felt like I was just not able to let go and have them do the scene to me, but I was just constantly checking where are they going and where are they going. And it wasn't a comfort for myself. I know there's times where, you know, as, as a top course, we'll play with people where there isn't that connection because we may be in a new city and, you know, we're maybe traveling. It's definitely a different feeling now that we've experienced that. I think when we're starting to play, especially with how much we were traveling and we weren't as tied to the same city and the same like group of people we knew, there was a lot more pickup play and a lot more just that less not having connection. And it was fluffy and it was definitely a more of a, I guess, Chris would probably call it more of a service type mode. Mm -hmm. So experiencing it to a much deeper level now, it's kind of hard, I don't want to say hard to go back, but it is very different. Um, and I think for me, I never played that way. I never played without that connection because I was probably nervous. Um, but both of us, I think, have come to really value that connection and that safety that's in it. And it's, it's definitely taken time to really learn and understand that. Um, you know, as Bella mentioned, going to a new city, you don't know many people. And so oftentimes she would be my, my model to stand up there and yes, he knows what he's doing and sort of get the ball rolling um, to now where, you know, we've traveled enough, we know enough people around that, you know, new people will come up. And it's not just a five minute conversation. Oh, what's your name? What do you like? No, it's usually half an hour, 45 minutes of sitting down and talking, getting to know each other and talking about those boundaries in more of a safe place and, and less prescriptive saying, here's my hard limits. Here's okay. Here's not okay. Well, let's talk about each other. What do you like? And what are you going through? Because somebody's mental state, going back to some of the mental things that we talked about earlier, their mental state can and will impact how they will perform on a given day. If you've had a rough week at work, if you just broke up with your partner, you're in a different mindset than if you just got your raise or got your bonus at work, or you just left for a vacation and you're very happy, very different experiences. So 
especially from a top's perspective, trying to understand that and build that rapport so that you can understand the person. Now you've created that bond and there's a comfort level there when you go ahead and play. I want to do some quick hits. That's mm-hmm. a very bad pun when it comes to King. <laughs> <laughs> on the other classes that are here as well. So maybe about 30 seconds about each mm-hmm. one. And the first one I read wrong, <laughs> which, which might make me a brat because I thought it said harassing your inner dominant, <laughs> but it's harnessing your inner dominant. <laughs> Who would like to talk about that? So I can take that. So um, that's kind of learning of, you know, some people come into the scene and they um, not sure they they feel like maybe it's in there, but they don't know how to channel it. So it's finding kind of your voice as a dominant finding, um, you know, the that uh, ability to because you're in charge of somebody. So whether you're looking at as a like a disciplinarian or it's a mommy daddy type. Uh, but part of it is you, you're taking uh, charge of another individual and it's a big responsibility. So it's, it's finding how do you, you know, structure that? How do you not find your own authentic voice, not just prescriptive, I'm going to top this activity or I'm going to, you know, hit you with this tool, but how do you truly be, you know, that dominant figure for that scene or for that person? Um, so we're really excited to have, um, Cherry Malicious teacher there, a professional dominatrix, but also a sex educator in a vanilla world. Um, so they kind of bring a lot of the experience to, you know, from the scene, outside the scene, from both from fun and from more of a professional perspective. Something that I've always wanted to do, Chain Bondage 101. Yeah, there are, a lot of people are really excited for that class. Yeah. Chris, I don't know if you want to talk about it or no, I've you been, take, to, yeah, to be you, fair to, you, to be fair to Chris, I've been yes. I have been more in charge of collecting all the uh, yes, education yes. folks. And while Chris knows all of the classes that are here, I'm probably you're more take intimately involved in them. So you're better to hit the quick hit ones here. So so chain bondages, um, they're actually um, uh, we've watched them do a mixed chain uh, chain and rope suspension at Dark Odyssey Fusion and I was mesmerized at the time, didn't know who they were. So they reached out wanting to teach them and I put two and two together. They're actually have sort of their own unique style of chain bondage. Um, you know, people kind of think of bondage as rope and for some people tying knots is not the thing. So chain is a kind of a whole um, different perspective on bondage but also suspensions and how to do it safely because there has no give and they actually are either had just published or up in the middle of publishing a book of their own um, sort of style of doing it and their own um, you know, experience with it. It's, it's, I think, something that wasn't really sort of a big craft before um, they took over that. So I'm really excited for that. I think they, they have a name that's known around. And so I think a lot of people are looking forward to their teaching. A couple more and before we take a break, yeah. body-based rituals. Yeah, so I think that one is going to be um, focused on rituals like hook pulls and walking on um, firewalks. Mm-hmm. So besides it being kinky and being potentially painful and how do you do it safely, it is ritualistic to a lot of people who participate in it. So it has mm-hmm. a connection to a bigger power. And so part of what it's very meditative. Um, so it's somebody from Las Vegas, actually a friend of Echo's. 
Um, so I know a little less about this individual because I think somebody echoes bringing, but this is, you know, this is their big kink is um, spirituality connected to some of these rituals in a kink world and, you know, how to do it safely, but also how to do it meaningfully. I have seen some very interesting things that have been done through the last class we'll talk about body modification through pumping. Yeah, so actually the same same um, partners that mm -hmm. are teaching the um, chain bondage mm -hmm. are actually teaching this one as well. They were generous enough to give us two uh, classes worth of their time, which we're super excited about. And I think it's using, um, you know, working with pumping, using pumping devices in a safe way on anything from nipples, breasts, genitalia, um, we've definitely see, you know, nipples and breasts quite often at parties, right. but genitalia has a whole, you know, different uh, risk and tolerance for people. So, you know, there's a different care to take into that. So I'm excited that they're going to be talking about that. But also sometimes, again, this is not just always a mechanical play, you know, I'm going to take a device to your body parts, but it becomes that, you know, how do you turn it into Object, uh, objectification and dollification aspects. So it's more of a creating a really a scene with these devices right. in mind. Forbiddentickets.com slash events slash the dash owls dash nest for all the information on all the classes. Quick break. And we when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want, we're going to talk about the couple. Chris and Bella when we return. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. It's time to get back to learning about the most important connection of all, the one we have with our authentic self, on what women and other wonderful humans want, presented by Dating Kinky. Welcome back to the program, joined by Chris and Bella of the Owl's Nest, and we'll talk a little bit more about that wonderful education event coming up on August the 28th in just a moment. But I wanted to ask you too, because you 
are somewhat role models to me in the fact that you are a couple that enjoys kink. There is not a top, there is not a bottom, but you all have grown in this together in the enjoyment of it. How amazing is that to have a relationship like that? You're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) But both of us have been through um, other marriages. We are married to each other. um, And they didn't, um, besides all the issues, they didn't allow us to be who we wanted to be. And that's not static. That's always evolving for people. I think the one thing that has really, um, I think that's something we saw in each other really early on is that we just wanted to let the other person find themselves and support them in that way. And so it's been amazing to be Chris's partner for me. And also I don't, you know, we, we, uh, we have evil ideas together. We balance off each other. Sometimes we, you know, I, I tend to be more risk averse and things when Chris will throw an idea. Sometimes I'm on, uh, no, 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 we, we can't do that. And he knows me now. And I know that now that I need to sometimes simmer in it. And these ideas will sort of, you know, continue to go. And I'm like, okay, but I'm excited about the piece you were excited about. So let's talk about it again. Um, so I'll, I'll, I know I talked quite a, I have more to say, but I want to give the floor. I, to I mean, it, it's just, I mean, kink is an extension of who we started off as. And we started off as a couple that, as Bella mentioned, were came from marriages that just did work, and we're we were at a point in our life where we knew what we wanted and what we didn't want. And from day one, very upfront and honest, and talked about everything. And at the same time, trusted each other and allowed the other person to be who they wanted to be. So being very vulnerable and being okay with that. Nobody likes to be vulnerable ever. But when you can have that with a partner, the growth you can have as a couple is just truly amazing because we still do it today, maybe a little bit less than we've, when we first started in kink. Using uh, uh, business terms, we, we would have lessons learned after every event. We would have, you know, what are our do's and don'ts before the event? What are we okay with? And so we still do that today less frequently because, you know, we're, we're, pretty settled in each other, but it's a, the ability to continue to grow, to do that is just, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I I wish everybody could have that. I know it's tough to find that in people and you have to keep cultivating that. It's not a static thing. This is something that you just have to keep doing day after day and to keep things growing just as you would in the kink scene of wanting to learn more about your craft you're you want to grow as a couple and you have to keep working at it and allowing each other to be who you want to be um chris talked about vulnerability i think um when we started dating um you know people often talk about having a honeymoon period and then some of the rough stuff hits and the conversations hit we did it sort of backwards um i don't know why but it just um chris um we have some lots of funny stories about that. I won't bore you with them all, but we, um, Chris had a, my, um, I, I'm high maintenance, have lots of love, love languages. One of my bigger ones is verbal affirmations, which is one of the hardest ones for Chris. 
uh, it was much more so when we met and was. when Thank we you. started dating, <laughs> I know you are, Tony. when we started dating, I mean, it was to the point where I would say, I mean, and he was showing me all the care in the world. He was flying in and out of California, coming from the airport right to my house, only to then have to go back to his own house because his daughter was there. So I, I saw all of the love and care very early on, but I would say, I miss you to him. And he would stare at me, not knowing what to say. And I, I would start to challenge him with that really quickly saying, I don't understand. I know, like you show me how you are with me. Why can't you say it back? And he was like, I, I don't know. I just need to find my own words, feel not authentic to, re to like repeat yours. I said, I don't care. You just can't let me hang out here. You have to at least give me my own words back. So we had actually a lot of those kind of conversations. I put the I love you there way too early because I just felt it so strongly. And Chris just didn't even do the, oh, pat, pat, pat. It was just a deer in the headlights. And I was really upset. And so we, I talked and cried about it and I laid it out. And I, I didn't, you know, I said, I, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I know what you're showing me. And so I think we had just a lot of, we kind of started off on the, you know, hard stuff first. And I've never done that before. Um, just felt right with Chris. It felt safe. Yeah. I think from the very beginning, we didn't, neither of us played games. Uh, we felt safe to do that. And we, um, I think, I know there was fear when you, you know, have these difficult conversations or even, I don't want to call them fights, but just when you have disagreements that the other person's going to walk away. And we never did. We never wanted, I don't think either of us have ever wanted, even, you know, had the desire to go like, I'm annoyed at you enough to like, maybe reconsider this. Um, I think that's what allowed this to even now, because there are times when, you know, we're on high tension with parties and parties after parties or these fundraising events where we're not giving each other as much time as we used to. And it does, it does, um, you know, create um, more angst and sometimes we're short in our responses. And I think we, we get to a point where we check each other going like we, we can't take away from our love and our connection by being so busy that we start to get agitated. And I think we just have really open um, vulnerable ways with each other and that we want to protect each other. Totally self-indulgent question. <laughs> How did you have the courage to tell the other one that you were kinky? Well, I think it was actually pretty easy because we really mm. truly grew into this together. I mean, other than me yeah. feeling like it's a new partner and I should make sure that I can get what I need in a physical perspective and asking if he can use a flogger or a, um, a, um, his hand. Um, the rest of it was, we kind of went to find out that we were kinky together. The vulnerability later was more about um, you know, the safety of it was, Chris would look at some photos early on and I would ask, you think you could do that? There would be things like, you know, nails through genitalia or knee. I mean, there's some, and he's like, oh, you know, I don't know if I like have the skill or I could do that, but like, this doesn't offend me. And at the time I definitely squirmed some, I've definitely, you know, you see it more, you get desensitized to some of it. It didn't, doesn't, it doesn't phase me the same way. But at the time, what was nice is that there were times where I'd say, this isn't for me to do with you, but I am okay for you to do with someone else. Right. And I think some of the vulnerability was, I'll give an example and Chris can probably chime into this. When we um, earlier on electric play was something we mm. experimented in an intimate way, just the two of us. And we were going out to a club and Chris wanted to bring the electric tool and I was okay with that. What I had envisioned was 
just fun and games, electric play, I zap you, you squirm. Um, and I usually with love the, watching with scenes. others, not Bella. with others, with others. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I usually love, I usually watch his scenes and I love watching scenes. I feel like I'm a proud mama going, that's my boy. Um, <laughs> In this case, I was, you know, flattering with friends and I walked away and I came back to find out um, the, the bottom had orgasm from it. And I felt surprisingly, I wasn't expecting that, but I felt upset for a, a little bit. I thought, huh, I don't know how I feel about this. This was something that we did in a like privacy of our own home just between us. Now that aspect of, elect- of uh, um, Violet Wama was taken more publicly. I don't know about this. And then, you know, Chris doesn't know what to do with this information. And so, but I, but I usually would say, I don't know how I feel. I need to sit on this. I need to like process my feelings. Yeah. And so, and I could, you know, so there was some challenge, not even challenges, but there was these like little bumps where, whoa, I don't know how I feel about you doing this particular thing with someone else because it maybe was something intimate between us. So I think these were the kind of things where we had to figure it out in the end. I said, you know what? I, I don't, care it doesn't take away from the intimacy we have and it was fine but i at times needed to process that i think there were some other things chris had to process and and i would say there's still times because there there are are still things that are more for us in an intimate setting and then you know it's as we all learn and want to explore and do more there are times when you know i want to try something or she wants to try something that was very much an us thing and so we have to check really with our egos and our feelings and say, are we okay with this? What does this mean? And Bella is right. We need some time to usually think about it and simmer on it a little bit. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's usually a, we're, we're, we're in love with each other. We're very comfortable and we should allow each other to explore an experience. And at the end of the day, if, if we're not, if it's something that it's not speaking for myself, uh, I'm okay. I, I need, I, I can walk away from trying that or wanting to do something. Or in the case of the violet wand, my first reaction was that's fine. We just won't go there because in a scene, you don't know where things will go. And that that's what I had to try and explain is that that's where that's part of that relationship as we were talking about when you build that relationship and my play style is one of reading my bottom of what they're telling me and pushing them where they're going and not trying to navigate somewhere where it's not going to work because at the end of the day, nobody will be satisfied. And it's okay with me that I don't need to go there because uh, foremost is our relationship. And if something's going to jeopardize that, then uh, it's not that important to me. I am so happy that you all shared who, what makes you up and what makes you feel good and the, As I said, uh, I admire couples that discover together and find each other. It gives me hope, quite frankly, to know that uh, maybe there is that somebody out there and just have to to find them. So thank you for allowing me to indulge a bit. So let's wrap up with everything we need to know about the great event coming up on August 28th. I will leave the floor open to promote however you shall absolutely so um to do a recap the event is august 28th um it is a full day marathon what that means is that we are offering classes not just every um hour and a half but there are actually um 16 or so classes being offered throughout the day so there are some overlaps it allows people to pick and choose what they want what they'll experience is uh when you go on a um 
you can register through um, forbidden tickets and then you'll receive a link where to go the day of. If you're just coming in for one class, that's fine. Um, if you come in and you see there will be listings of all the classes happening that day, we encourage people to take as many classes as they want. We do um, understand people's financial abilities are very different. So this is a donation only kind of registration. We do encourage people if they're taking more than one class to be able to contribute a bit more. I think what we're recommending is $20 a class. But of course, if you're taking a full day worth of classes, we're, we're gonna let you decide what it is that you feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, if you're not able to attend, that's okay too. You can still help out by going to a GoFundMe link that we have listed in both the FetLife event as well as the forbidden tickets and just donate directly to the cause. Um, we're completely open to any questions. So if anybody sees this event, they're not sure what the class is about or uh, what it is, they can always reach out. And while the classes are an hour and a half, we're not going to lock down from people entering class late. So if somebody wants to listen in to a little bit of one class and a little bit of another class, they'll be able to do that. Yeah. And this is something as well that you can uh, access via a, a laptop, a computer, or on a mobile device. So no matter where you're at, you'll be able to do any of the classes that you want. Um, if you're like me, I want to sit at home, be on my computer, see the full screen. If you're like Bella, you can be out on the phone working up a, a, in the house or out in the garden and listening in. Um, and if you're not able to attend at all and want to donate, please donate. Um, and as well, lastly, for me, please share, share this with your friends, share this with anybody who is passionate about this cause. It's not just about the classes. The objective of this is to support the cause. And so please donate for that. And if there's others that you know who are passionate about that, please pass it on to them. And we will definitely share on our socials. I appreciate that. If I can just add one more thing is that um, I wanted to acknowledge every single um, person who has reached out to teach classes. There are people who are giving their time and this is something new for them, but they really want to contribute. So we just, we have a tremendous um, amount of people that have been, um, that have reached out to give their time on a Sunday in the summer. And that's not, you know, a small ask. So we really, really appreciate every single um, educator that has stepped up to, to help with this cause. And we're very grateful. Well, you two are amazingly wonderful people. And we appreciate having you on the show and can't wait for this event. It's going to be a fantastic day of education. And thank you for being with us on the show. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for having us. What a great cause for these two and what a great event it's going to be. And I'm happy to announce that I will be teaching kindness and other kinks during this marathon day, as well as hosting some of the events as well. So I look forward to you joining me at the marathon education event, August 28th. Remember you can find the links in our show notes on how you can get tickets. And next week, a very personal show. We visit with one of my favorite people in the world, Master Trinity, the Matrix Dominatrix. Our interview discusses a lot of topics that until recently, I've never shared with anyone. It's real. It's authentic. And we travel into these uncharted waters together. And I really hope you'll tune in. 
I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I have earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.